We're going through 101, 201, 301, 401, 501. And this is a great way to say, well, I don't know my gifts. How do I get plugged into the church? How do we get to know people? Go through this series. It's kind of steps. You step 101, 201. Just go through the steps. It'll help you get plugged into the body of Christ. So February 5th, it starts during second service. All right. So you can come to second service. Stay, go to first. Go to second. Go through 101. You're all set. Um, please sign up, if you will, as soon as possible. Gives us a good way to find out how many people. People are coming, how much food we need to bring. Okay, swap for January. Swap means sacrificing with a purpose. It means giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. We all swap for that pig farm. And I'm going to show you a video in a couple of minutes. We swap for that pig farm. And we have a pig farm in Nigeria because we invested. We gave up something we wanted, maybe a meal out, maybe a pair of shoes, maybe a new shirt. Maybe it doesn't really matter. You give up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. All right. So that's going to that's coming up. Swap for FET for January is basically for the food pantry out here. There's a cart. There's some information there of what we need. Go to the store, fill up the cart. We'll take it to the food pantry, help out those in need around our own community. Baptisms next. What's it take? 22nd, right? Baptisms are next Sunday. So many of you said to me, I want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. When are we doing baptism? Next week. It's been in the bulletin, but no one, a couple of people have said they want to have not signed up or let us know. So please let us know. Please, if you want to be baptized, you can be baptized next Sunday. All right. We're going to do communion and baptism next Sunday. Take care of all that in one fell swoop. All right. All the communion and baptism, one fell swoop on Sunday. It'll be a great service. All right. Last but not least, giving. Um, you know, we don't pass the offering, offering plate around here at Grace Chapel, but obviously we are growing as a church. Someone said to me, I was like Brian Miller, who runs the uh, CrossFit, said to me uh, on Friday, he said, Grace Chapel is like the New York City of downtown Mason. It's a, it's a church that never sleeps. This facility is used seven days a week, okay? It's used so much that we have run out of space for Bible studies or youth ministry things, children's ministry. We have run out of space. We're building more space back here soon, but we need uh, more space. And with more ministries going on, the church growing, obviously you need the resources. So giving is a part of worship. Even though we don't pass the plate around or, or push it and that kind of thing, we still need people to give. So if you're a part of this body, I really want to encourage you to give because the expenses are going way up because of all the ministry that's going on. Um, but the, the giving is pretty much staying neutral, which is not a good thing because we need to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward with things like this video. Let me show you this video of what we did in Nigeria.
So really the vision of all of this, the vision of all of this is basically to create that economic zone in Nigeria because that becomes the model for economic zones all around the world. We buy 50 or 60 acres in different places like Haiti or India or wherever we need to, and then we build economic zones there. And what we're doing is we're investing in entrepreneurs. What we're finding is if you say, hey, who wants to run a pig farm? We'll pay you. Everybody raises their hand and the pig farm dies. Okay, but if you find entrepreneurs who have a heart to run a pig farm anyway, and you say, hey, let us invest invest in you. It's like the parable of the talents. Someone is doing something well already. If they have a little bit and they're doing fantastic with it, we give them even more. Drill them boreholes, give them more land, give them, build them buildings, get them. You provided the piglets and you provided the buildings. Everything you saw right there, you provided. Okay. This is transforming people's lives. So that's what we want to continue to do. Transform people's lives and that. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to lay out some of the things that are happening within our church. You may not know about some of the vision that we have, because that hopefully will inspire you to say, you know what, I need to not only get involved by sitting here and and, and helping out, but get financially involved because God is blessing us. God has given us a big vision and we need to keep moving that vision forward. All right. So over the last couple of weeks, people have been asking some really significant questions. And they were one of the questions that came up over and over again was, okay, why in the book of Daniel do we call Daniel Daniel and not Belshazzar, right? Because that was his Babylonian name he was given. But then we call Hananiah, right? Mishael and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego most of the time in the church. Most of you know them by those names, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So why, why is that? All right, that's, that's a good question. And I actually spent a lot of time looking into it. And there's no really significant answer that anyone has given. The reality is, if you read through the book of Daniel, those, those names are used interchangeably. Sometimes Daniel will refer to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And other times, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. So, you know, it's, it doesn't really matter. You can use either one of those names. And Daniel even uses, Belshazzar is even used in the book of Daniel. But we call him Daniel because it's the book of Daniel and he wrote it. All right. So that's a, that's a good as answer. If you want to, if you want to use, all right. If you want to use the, 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 the Jewish names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can go right ahead, okay? No one will know what you're talking about. You go right ahead. It'll make you look theologically smarter than other people. Oh, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? So use Hananiah, right? Mishael and Azariah, and you'll look more biblically knowledgeable than other people, okay? And you hold it over their head. All right, so that's one thing. The other thing people ask, and this happened last week when I was going out the door, and I have explained this already, but many of you have not been here for very long, so I need to explain it again. The question was, when I'm standing by the door and my wife hands me her purse, how should I hold it to look manly, okay? This is, you know, this is this has happened before, you know, because you don't want to hold, you know, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you don't want to hold it like this, and you hold it like this. You know, some guys hold it like a skunk, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, like, it's not mine. Here's the way you hold it. You kind of wrap it like this. You grab it with one hand like, like this, all right? You stand like you're, you know, you just stand kind of like this. You, this is my wife's purse, that's right. Got, you want to make something of it? I'm holding their purse. You know, go long, go long, you know what I mean? Just, you just have to... You got to hold it like a man. That's all I'm saying. So you grip it, you grip it tightly. All right. And you walk around like you own the place. Yep. I'm carrying a purse. I can too. All right. I wore jeans just for this very purpose. I want to look even more manly. <laughs> all right. So I stole someone's purse. If it's your purse, you can come up and get it later on. 
All right. So now here we're going. Well, now we're going to start the sermon. I just wanted to give you that information. You have questions. I have answers and I wanted to answer your questions. All right. So so an overview of where we have been in the book of Daniel. All right. An overview. So previously in the book of Daniel, don't you love that when they do it on TV? Previously in the book of Daniel, Daniel and his friends are taken captive and they're taken to Babylon. The goal of the Babylonians, and if you want to, you can go back and get the other sermons, but the goal of the Babylonians is to erode their faith and their traditions and replace their faith and their traditions with Babylonian history and literature, right? And language and religion. So they want to replace it. They want to kind of wash away the past and start all over again. When they're finished being brainwashed, if you will, then they would receive positions within Nebuchadnezzar's government, high positions. And this was a real lure for most of the people taken into captivity because, hey, wouldn't you rather be in a position where you're, if you're going to be taken into captivity into another country, at least you're in a higher position of power, you get fed, you know, you get the lap of luxury, if you will. So this was a real lure to most of the people who were taken into captivity, but not Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. That that was totally different. Daniel refused basically to go along with the king's plan. In some cases he would go along, but he refused to go along when it really mattered. Daniel, Daniel decided, I'm not going to go along with the program. And we said last week in verse eight, it says, but Daniel resolved. OK, or in the King James version, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. See, Daniel accepted his captivity. What can he do? Daniel even accepted the name change. Okay? Went along with the name change. You know, that doesn't, we talked about this last week. You change a person's name, you don't change who they are. Daniel didn't change who he was. He even, he even went along with, if you will, the education. He didn't refuse the education. But then came the food issue. And Daniel understood the law of God. And he knew if he would have eaten their food and, 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 drink, and he was drinking their wine, it would break the law of God. And we explained in detail why last week. Why would it defile him? So he went along with the name change. He went along with the education. He went along with the captivity. But when it came to the food, he basically drew a line in the sand and said, I cannot go any further than this. He couldn't go any further because he understood If he ate that food, what that represented in his life, breaking the law of God. Daniel knew the law and Daniel knew that eating that food, eating that food would go against everything he had been taught. It goes against who he was as a person, as a child of God, if you will. So Daniel's going to hold his ground. So let's move forward by going backward. Right In the last series, How Big Is Your God? How Big Is Your God? We talked a lot about God's intervention in the lives of Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Caleb. And it's no different here. It's no different here. All of a sudden in verse 9, okay, God, God makes the, his appearance okay, God, in, a, in a specific way. God get, comes into the picture. In verse 9 it says, now God. Now, God, so let's read Daniel chapter one, verses nine and ten. It says, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. 
Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So God moves in Ashpenaz, the king's right-hand man. Okay, he oversaw all the different the people there that were taken captive. So, so, Daniel, uh, so Daniel is shown favor in the eyes of Ashpenaz. And that's really, really important. It's very important. But Ashpenaz is concerned, even though God is speaking to his heart, Ashpenaz is concerned that if he does what Daniel's asking him to do, it may cause him real problems. But Ashpenaz has a heart, if you will, for Daniel and his three friends. What I found interesting as I was reading through this is that God intervenes after Daniel takes that step of faith and stands his ground, not before. Verse 9, it says, now God. It goes through the story. Then it says, now God. So God intervenes after Daniel takes his stand and not before. Daniel honors God with his life and God blesses Daniel. He blesses him. God blesses those who stand for him. God blesses those who stand for him in ways that other people will never, ever experience. There are so many times where, you know, people look at, look at their faith or their experience in their faith. They're saying, why am I not experiencing what I see other people experiencing in their faith? It's because sometimes we don't stand out. We don't stand up for God. We don't live out our faith. We need to live out our faith in such a way that, that God comes with his blessing. We get, we, we get the, we get to experience everything that God has for our lives. And many times we don't experience that blessing because we're not stepping out in faith. Remember the crossing of the Jordan in Joshua chapter three? Remember that? God didn't, God didn't lower the water until they take, they took that first step. They took that first step and then the water goes down. We need to take that first step. We need to be like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. We need to take that first step. Those who compromise their faith, if you live with a compromised faith, then you're never going to truly what your base. Here's what's remember, remember our last series. OK, we're going from bondage to the promised land. Those who compromise their faith, who compromise their convictions, only get to the edge of the promised land. They don't truly get to experience all the rewards that come with being, entering into the promised land. And that's what we want. If we're starting out here and we're struggling, we're saying, God, help me overcome. Give me the strength. Help me to overcome this bondage that I'm in. We want to move forward. What happens is if we don't step out in faith, we only get to the edges of the promised land, but we don't get to experience everything, all the rewards that the promised land offers us. And that's what we want. We want God's best. We truly want God's best. People, people, they, they want the miracle before they're willing to step out in faith. They want it. They're, they're like, you know, show us. They said to Jesus, show us miracles. See, we want the miracle before we're willing to step out in faith. But, but the reality is we, we miss out on so much of the miraculous because we won't step out in faith. We read about these characters in the Bible and all that they went through and all that happened to them and all these miraculous things. And then we wonder, you know, it's like if we if we truly want to know what it feels like to step out of the boat and walk on water, we need to try to step out of the boat and walk on water. 
Allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to move and work in your life. But that's not going to happen if you don't step out on faith. You're going to miss the miracles. You're going to miss the blessing that God has for your life. See, the spiritually timid reap the life that they sow. The spiritually timid reap the life that they sow. We cannot be spiritually timid. Daniel asks that he and his friends could basically, he goes and he says, can we skip the, the royal meal plan, if you will? And, can, and for 10 days, can we just skip the royal meal plan and, and just eat the, the, the fruit and, and water? That, that's kind of what he wants. He, you know, last week we talked about why he couldn't eat their food, why he couldn't drink their wine, sacrifice to idols, all kinds of other things. So now Daniel, now Daniel has to figure out, okay, how, if I'm going to hold my ground and still be breathing, okay, how do I do this? So he goes, God shows him favor, and Ashpenaz puts a guard over them. So Daniel goes to the guard, the person directly in charge of him, and he says, here's my plan. How about this? For 10 days, okay, you give us this and then after 10 days, we'll see how things are going, how the plan is, is, is working. See, what I like here, is, this is important for us in how we live our lives. What I like about Daniel's proposal, okay, is that he respects authority but stands for truth. And in this country, that's something that a lot of us need to learn, okay? You can, you can, we can disagree on all kinds of issues and all kinds of things, all right? But for us... And for everyone, I love what he does here. He's teaching us. He respects authority, okay, but he stands for truth. He doesn't compromise. He has his convictions. He's not going to give up on his convictions, but he, he has an attitude. He has the right attitude and has the right heart. Notice, notice when he goes to the guard, he doesn't make demands. His, his, he's not making a demand. He's presenting a reasonable request. Okay, here's here's who I am. Here's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. We sang that. It's who I am. And because it's who I am, here is my request to you. For 10 days, can we eat this? And then you can check and see if our if our if our plan is working. See, when you take a stand, you don't I'm here, just hear me. out. I'm not to be mean or anything. But when you take a stand, you don't have to be a jerk. And I, sometimes that's what happens. We can take a stand, but we don't need to be disrespectful disrespectful of the people that God has put over us. If you're in school and the teacher asks you to write a paper, all right, on a book that you find objectionable, and there's a lot of reasons. I can give you a lot of the reasons. I've, I've had students all through the years, maybe a student is going, has been abused in the past, and they, the teacher is asking them to write a book with the vivid details of abusive situations, and so the student doesn't want to do that. So if you're asked to write a, a paper on a book that you may find objectionable, or at work, you're asked to do something that goes against your convictions, what you need to do is you need to go to your direct supervisor first, Okay? Don't jump over their heads right away. Don't run to the person above them and create a controversy. Go to your direct supervisor first. Explain your situation. Okay, explain your concern and give some alternatives. Give some alternatives to what you're being asked to do. And make sure the alternatives are more challenging to you. Make sure if you're giving alternatives, if you're saying the teacher wants you to read a book and it's this thick, tell her you read a book this thick. You're not trying to get out of something. 
You're giving an alternative that's even more challenging to you, but you're respecting them. See, it really has to do with our attitude. We have to have the the right attitude. We have to respect the person's position and their authority. Daniel was respecting the person's position and their authority. He wasn't jumping over. He was saying, here's my situation. He goes right to them and he asked the question. He asked them to consider... Okay, so what you want to do is you want to ask them to consider your request and then give clear, very clear criteria. What is the the clearest criteria you can give for success? So what is the success criteria? And make it as clear as possible. So we're going to do this for 10 days. And after 10 days, you check it out. And if and he laid it all out for them respectfully, humbly. Put the challenge back on him. It was even more difficult. What he was asking them to let him do was even more difficult than what everybody else was going to do. See, so in, in, in Daniel's case here, he says, again, compare us at the end of 10 days. You compare us to all the other young men of our age and see how we turn now. See, here's the thing. The food that Daniel and his friends were going to eat, we hear a lot of vegetables. It, it either can refer to vegetables or, or a cereal. All right. So Daniel is going to eat vegetables and water for for 10 days by human standards. Just think about this. By human standards, this diet was not going to work. OK, this was not going to work. Think about it. All the other young men were going to eat the best. OK, that Babylon had to offer in the king. It was in it was they were in the king's presence in the king's place at the king's table. So it was the best the king had to offer of all the meats and the vegetables and everything. So the guys that they're basically going up against are eating the best that Babylon has to offer. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're going to eat vegetables and drink water that doesn't sound like it's going to work out for them so in verses 15 and 16 it tells us this at the end of the 10 days they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food so the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead see They look so good that the guard said, he said, hey, you can continue your kind of unique diet, if you will, indefinitely. So now they don't have to worry any longer about the stress of breaking God's law because they look so good. They were so healthy. He said, hey, this is working out great. I can keep my head. Okay, if I can keep my head, you guys can keep eating vegetables and drinking water. It's all it's all good. See, God blesses those who stand for him. God blesses those who are bold for him. God is looking for warriors in this culture, in this time, the 21st century. God is looking for warriors, people who are going to stand up for his truth, people who desire to honor him. Daniel gets blessed almost immediately. So he stands up for the truth. We read about it. Daniel holds his ground. He stands up for the truth and he almost immediately gets blessed. So now we got to stop for just a second. All right, because here's the reality. This it doesn't always happen this way in our lives, right? Because you get up here and say, look at this. And David fought Goliath and down he went. And then he jumped in a pit with the lion and down the lion went. And then he took on and down they went. 800 people at the same time. And oh, they all got killed. But that doesn't always happen in every circumstance. Sometimes you stand for truth, right? And you get your head handed to you. Or literally, and we know this in our culture, not our culture, but around the world now, you get your head chopped off. Literally. 
So sometimes you stand for God and you lose your head. Sometimes you stand for truth, right? You can stand for truth and things don't always work out the way you think they're going to work out. Let me give you an example. Um, Eric Little, all right? Eric Little, in the, in, you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? So Eric, Eric Little in the movie Chariots of Fire was an incredible movie. Dun, 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 right? He's running there and he breaks through the thing. And everybody, eh, this is amazing. And so he, he stood on his convictions and he went to the Olympics and won an Olympic gold. And then he became a missionary in China and died, okay, died in a Chinese prison camp. So what I'm saying is, you know, you win the Olympic gold and we read stories about the Olympic gold. But the reality is, at the end of the day, he stood for his convictions. He stood on, on, on the word of God, if you will. And he ended up dying in a Chinese prison camp. Sometimes your boldness gets you killed. Sometimes your boldness gets you fired. Sometimes your boldness gets you abandoned by your friends. They don't want to hang around with you anymore. And it's very lonely. I've talked to a lot of students who will not go along with everything that's going on in school. And they, they're alone in many cases. Sometimes for a couple of years, they really don't have a friend group because their friend group went off this way and they couldn't go with them. And so their friends abandoned them. And that's what that's really that's the reality sometimes of what happens. Sometimes your reward is not in this life. Sometimes your reward is in the next. Daniel was uncompromising and God blessed him abundantly, almost immediately. But we have to understand it's not an absolute guarantee that you will be blessed on this earth. You will be rewarded on this earth. When you stand up for him, when you're bold for him. And as I was writing this and I was, as I was reading through this and studying this, God put in my heart, but here's something, son. He said, except that you know who you are. Remember that song again? I was, as I was singing that, I was thinking about the sermon. It's who I am. It's who I am. That's why Jen reads the sermon every single week and picks these songs. I knew when you stand up for God, there are situations in your life where you stand up for God and you know who you are. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. They can't take that away from you. You know who you are. I have been in situations in my life where I had to make choices and it told me who I was. One of them, this happened years ago when I was, when Deb and I were younger and we were in Virginia Visiting my brother and my father, and my father has about 70 acres down there, and we were walking around the land, and we didn't have a lot of money, and so we, he had a lot of trees, man. So we went around looking at different trees and digging up trees and taking them home and planting them on our property, and so we had our shovel, and we walked out, and my brother said, just be careful, because there's a lot of bear sightings, and so, you know, you're on a little bit of edge, because you don't want to, you know, run to a bear, and so there was a, a little stream you went over, and, and then across, um, I have a great... My great, great, great grandfather, Moses Greer, and he had built this little um, barn and the barn ultimately fell down, had a, had a metal roof. I'm sure they fixed it at different times down the road, down, you know, down the line. And the metal barn, just picture a barn collapsing and there was a little opening like right here. It's probably, I don't know, like this, this big, like this wide. So, you know, easily, you know, you can kind of get in and look around a little bit. And so we're standing there about 10 feet from the opening of the barn with bear on our mind. And all of a sudden, okay, stand there with a shovel, that metal, it's like it went 
bang, 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 bang. It was loud. I mean, it was loud. And I honestly, before God, I'm thinking, here we go. Here, here we go. Here comes the bear. Okay. And so what I did was I pushed Deb behind me. I had to shovel. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do with a shovel. But I pushed Deb behind me. And I was thinking to myself, okay, whatever comes out of that hole, I charge it with my shovel. Okay, and gives her a chance to run away. Maybe I get eaten, but she gets a chance to get away. Right. So I'm standing there and it's like bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, you know, shovel. Here we go. Come on, Lord. You know, and this giant vulture comes out of the back of the barn. You ever see the size of a vulture with its wingspan? The vulture got startled and he was hitting his wings against the metal. But I thought it was a bear. Okay, and you think, well, it wasn't a bear. Was that proof? It proves that I didn't put my wife in front of me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what it proves. I, don't, I didn't know it wasn't a bear. All I knew was they were talking about bears and bears and bears. I, they didn't say a lot of vultures flying around, so watch out with the vultures. It was a bear, so I pushed her behind me, and I was thinking, you know, and she, know, she saw it. She was, I was right in front of her. Osama bin Laden, okay, when they, went to, when, they, when they shot the man, you know what he did? He was using his wife, one of his wives or whatever, as a human shield. That's all you need to know about the guy. That is all you need to know about the man. Okay? The last thing he does in this world is when they, he pulls his wife in front of him. That's all you need to know. So when you stand up, okay, when there are certain choices that you make in your life, doesn't matter how old or young you are, when there's certain choices you're making in your life that you know who you are. I know who I am. That song was resonating through my mind this week. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours and you are mine. So when we stand up for God, we may think we don't, you know, well, you're not going to get blessed in this life. You may not get blessed in this life, but wait a second, you do. Because at the end of the day, you know who you are. You know who you are. In parts of the world, Christians, there are more Christians martyred now than in the past. In the days of Rome, okay? More Christians are martyred now per year. There are Christians all around the world that are, that are, that are sacrificing their lives because of their faithfulness for Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ. We are called to be faithful regardless of the outcome. Because we will be rewarded in this life and the next. And even if you don't get, quote, rewarded the way you, you think you should get rewarded, when you stand up for what you believe, when you stand up for your convictions, you know you're aligning yourself with some of the greatest people, okay, men and women in biblical history. You know who you are. And you can walk around knowing who you are. And I'm going to tell you something. Most people on this planet have no idea who they are. None at all. Because they change like the wind with everything that comes, with everything that goes. They just keep on changing. Verse 17 says, In those four, uh, to, those, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This was God's pretty much guarantee. This was God's guarantee that these four young men were going to stand up and they were going to stand out. They would soon find themselves, okay, because of their choices, they would soon find themselves in in positions of immense influence in Babylon. All four of them. They're taken captive. They're they're, they're going to find themselves in incredible positions because of the stand that they had taken. God rewarded them for their faith. It says he gave them wisdom and knowledge and understanding. 
I mean, that, what, what a gift to be able to, to, un, to understand and have the knowledge of God. And not only that, but to be able to, to look at situations in life and know how to handle these different situations. God gave them wisdom. God gave them knowledge. God gave them understanding. One of the greatest gifts that he can give. See, if we live in a state of compromise, if you and I choose to live in a state of compromise, we forfeit God's blessing. We forfeit God's best. You say, you might think to yourself, well, I'm not, I don't follow God and I'm, I'm very successful. There's a difference between success and blessing. There is a big difference between success and blessing. You look at this person and say, oh, that person is so much more successful than this person. If this person is a, a, a person who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, this person is blessed. This person may be more successful in the eyes of the world, but they're not blessed. They're not blessed. There's a difference between blessing and success. And so what I'm basically saying to all of us here this morning is we want to receive God's best. We need to live out our convictions so we receive God's best. God honors those who honor him. Verse 17 also tells us that Daniel was given the ability to interpret dreams, which is going to come in very useful pretty soon. We're going to get into all kinds. We haven't even gotten to Daniel and Lion's Den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire furnace and all the prophecies. We haven't even gotten there yet. This is going to be good. All right. So Daniel has given, is given the ability to interpret dreams, which he'll use pretty soon. So, okay, verse 18. Verse 18 really basically jumps to the end of the, of the, of the preparation, the three-year preparation time. So verse 18, okay, brings them to the end of the preparation time. So now they've eaten their vegetables and, you know, drinking their water and they're going through all this. Now, now what's going to happen? Now it's basically, honestly, it's final exam time. All right. Remember, we talked about this or they, they were taught, you know, history and literature. They're being indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture of all kinds. Right. So now they have to stand to be examined. They now they have to face the king. Daniel and his three buddies. OK, killed it. OK, they were head and shoulders above everyone else. They were at the head of the class. They, they stood, they, they so stood out. It was miraculous. It was miraculous. And so they're taken into the king's service. Now they're taken into the king's service. These are the guys, you know, you're at the top of your class, one, two, three, and four. I remember when we, uh, when we were in Mexico, we started taking the kids to the HOPE program. And the most amazing, exciting, dynamic thing that we ever heard was when our kids went into the school with all the other kids, our kids were at the top of the class. They were at the top of the class. The kids came out of the most difficult circumstances and end up at the top of the class. And this is where Daniel and his friends were. They were at the top of the class. Verse 21 says, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Okay, so Daniel remained in the court of Babylon until the first year of King Cyrus, which is 539 B.C. What that means is Daniel stayed in a position of authority for about 60 years for 60 years to all these different leaders, all these different leaders, Daniel stayed in a position of authority. God blessed Daniel's life. Daniel would not compromise. Daniel held his ground. He held to his convictions. He said no in difficult situations. How many times, I don't care if you're a junior higher or you're, or you're 95 years old, you are going to find yourself in difficult situations in life. People pressuring you to do things that you may not want to do. 
That's why we have to look. Remember we said when we were talking about, we were talking about how big is your God. Okay, you're in bondage and you're trying to walk, you're trying to make your way through God's strength to the promised land where you can overcome that bondage. Well, I'm telling you, as you're walking through here, the enemy is going to be there every step of the way. And the only way you're going to make it is to follow Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, right? And Azariah, You're going to have to follow their lead because you're going to face those roadblocks. You're going to face those temptations to go off the road, to go off the road. Oh, just take a little turn. Just take a little turn. One little. You take a ship in the ocean and you just turn it a tiny bit. You won't even tell. And you are so far off course. Okay, within a few hours, it's mind boggling. We need to follow the example that Daniel has set for us to follow. We need to follow that example. So what situations do you find yourself in where you need to take a stand? Think about it. What situations do you find yourself? Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's at school and you find yourself in a situation at school where you, you're facing struggles, people you know, pushing you to do certain things. Maybe, maybe it's at work. You find that struggle at work. Maybe you're, you're going on a business trip. And after, the, after they're all done on that, the day of that business trip, they're all going to go out to that club, right? You know what club I'm talking about. They're all going to go out to that club, what do you do? How, how are you going? How do you handle that? Maybe you're on the team and, the, you know, the team's getting together and the, you know, the game's over and they've planned a party. You know there's going to be alcohol at that party. There's going to be underage drinking at that party. What, what are you going to do? You want to be a part of the team. What are you going to do? Understand something. You compromise now, you'll compromise for the rest of your life. You compromise for the rest of your life. Maybe you're in a social setting. You pick it, okay? The, tw- the 19, 18, 19 to 20 or 30-year-olds really deal with this all the time, especially if you're single. So you're in a social setting, and, and you're, the people around you are pressuring you to fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. You, they, they're going here. They're going to go there. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. What are, what are you going to do? If you don't have convictions, I can tell you what you're probably going to do. See, um, we, we all face times where we need to stand up for what we believe. We need to stand up for our faith. The question is, why don't we? Two quick reasons. There's a lot of reasons. I'll give you two. Okay, number one. Number one. Because we care more about what other people think than what God thinks. We, let's just be honest. When you're in that situation, you have three or four friends and they want to go out here or you're in a business situation, they want to go out there. And the reason is because you care more about what they think of you, okay, than what God thinks of you. And number two, we don't, we, we don't know what God thinks. We don't know what God thinks. We, put, we get in situations that we don't know. We do not know the word of God. And if we do not, if you do not know the word of God, how are you going to stand on the word of God? How are you going to even have convictions, if you will? We need what happens is if we don't know the word of God, we make decisions based on our feelings, our emotions at the time or our experiences. So why do you feel that way on those social issues? Well, I I have experienced this and I've experienced that and I know this and I've talked to. Well, why did you go to the thing? Well, because I felt and I, I felt and, I, you know, I felt and I felt. Okay. Nothing, you know, feelings are okay. Unless they lead you away from the word of God and what God's calling you to do. But we base our, we base our decisions on our emotions and our feelings when we don't know the word of God because we don't have convictions. Daniel knew God's law. 
Daniel knew God's law. So he knew. So listen, he knew the difference between what was sacred and what was sinful. Right. We talk about that all the time. No such thing is secular. Okay. In the Bible, a biblical worldview, things are either sacred or they're sinful. And Daniel knew the, knew the difference between what was sacred and what was sinful. Do you know what the Bible says about drinking? Do you know what it says? Do you, do you understand what the Bible says about? Do you know what it says about sex? Do you know what? Actually, really, do you know what it says about sex? I, I, students ask me all the time, "How far can I go?" Wrong question. Because you, <laughs> because that's not how. How can I be holy? How can I be holy in my relationship? That's a good question. How far can I go? Is how far can I go before? You should know. What does the Bible say about sex? What does the Bible say about saying, oh, my God, and Jesus Christ in the wrong context? What does it say? What does it say about using foul language? What does it say about being a liar or being a thief? Or what does it say about who I should marry? What does the Bible say about those things? How can you have convictions? How can you stand on truth if you don't know what the truth is? Here's the thing. Daniel... Daniel chose God over advancement. Daniel chose God over popularity. Daniel chose God over safety. Daniel chose God over over, over, uh, comfort, if you will. Daniel chose God over his own self-interest. Daniel chose God over his own life. Daniel chose God. Daniel chose God. In any circumstance he found himself in, Daniel chose God. And my friends, this morning, this morning, we, we need to choose God over the things of this world. That's what we, we need to walk out of here saying to ourselves, you know what? I'm not going to care what everybody else thinks about me. I care about what God thinks about me. I need to know the word of God so I can stand on the word of God. I cannot stand on the word of God. I cannot stand if I don't understand what the truth is. How can you stand on the truth if you don't know what the truth is? We need to say to ourselves, I am going to stand for God. So let's stand together. Let's just let's stand together as the body of Christ and raise our voices in the reality that we are going to stand to God. We are going. Listen, we are going to choose God. We are going to choose God. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, we ask you to dismiss us with your blessing that we would be brave that we would leave this place, Lord, and be brave at work and at school and our neighborhoods and our community and our world, Lord God, that we would be sent out as brave warriors of yours, standing up for truth, regardless of the outcome of the consequences, because we know that you are for us, you are not against us, and you will bless us, and you will give us, Lord, abundance that only comes from your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us the strength of your Son, Jesus Christ, the resurrection power Christ. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit working through our lives, Lord. Dismiss us now. Send us out to do, to do, to do damage, if you will, for the kingdom of God in this world. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.